Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Digging In, Missouri Farm Bureau's podcast. As we near uh, election day, um, we're going to talk about a hot topic today, and that's Constitutional Amendment 3. So I'm joined by uh, the Executive Director of Save Our State, Mr. Scott Dickhouse. Scott, welcome to Digging In. Uh, Look forward to visiting with you. Yeah, you bet. You know, at our September board meeting, um, our state board of directors always takes time in an election year to to look at ballot measures that uh, are either in alignment or uh, in opposition to Missouri Farm Bureau policy. And in this case, as we go into this year's November election, Amendment 3, which essentially legalizes recreational marijuana um, is in opposition to longstanding Farm Bureau policy. And so our board of directors came out, um, and at least we have said that we oppose Amendment 3. But, you know, Scott, I'll be honest, as I'm looking at my hometown Appleton City Journal paper, as I look at uh, information that's been put out for in preparation for Election Day, Amendment 3 starts on page 9 and, and ends on page 14. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's not surprising. So amendment three as uh you know submitted to the Secretary of State's office and, and as approved uh comes in about 38, 39 pages. So uh you know, transfer that to, to newsprint newspaper. That's not surprising that it takes up that much space. It is over 50,000 words uh that if passed would go into our state's constitution and for frame of reference, our state's constitution is about 222 pages right now. So we would be adding almost 40 pages to the constitution just dealing with the legalization of recreational marijuana. Holy smokes. Like, oh my goodness. That 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 is staggering. And I know my family and friends are thinking the same thing as they pick up the Appleton City Journal <laughs> and look at the election guide. So I mean, can you help break this down? What all is in Amendment 3? Because the issue on the surface sounds easy. Do you want recreational marijuana or not? Why why is this so long? So I I, uh, first I'm going to I'm going to focus for just a second on the fact that this is a constitutional amendment, meaning that it goes into our Constitution. So sometimes when we get issues on the ballot, uh, we will have issues that would become statutory or become state laws. Um, go when something goes into the state's constitution, the only way that it can be changed at all is if uh, it's put back before a vote of the people. To get something to the vote of the people uh, takes significant resources. In the case of Amendment 3, uh, the folks in favor of this have spent millions of dollars, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of $3 million, just to get this on the ballot. Um, so if we put in 38, 39 pages into the Constitution and we find that there are flaws or unintended consequences or things that we don't like or things that we didn't know about, to go back and change those is going to take millions of dollars from, from some group. And it's certainly not going to be the marijuana industry coming back and paying to put that on the ballot to fix their mistakes because they're probably going to profit from those. Um, so in general, uh, you know, I'm always I'm always hesitant to put things in the Constitution, but especially something this long. And, you know, going back to your question, what's in this? Um, <laughs> really, what 
what we're doing is we're taking the existing medical marijuana system, we're expanding it, and we're we're putting it on steroids. Um, the folks who wrote the medical marijuana language are the same folks who wrote this. And there are a couple things that concern me. So one, they wrote in a guarantee for those folks who do have medical marijuana licenses that they would essentially be guaranteed these comprehensive licenses should Amendment 3 pass uh, to sell recreational marijuana or grow or uh, make products. So they've, they've basically written in a guarantee for themselves. Uh, so there's uh, some kind of corporate cronyism here or even, you know, kind of a, uh, a constitutional cartel uh, being written into our Constitution through Amendment 3. Um, so it really shuts out competition. It shuts out anybody who, you know, currently is not in the marijuana business. Uh, so they really do kind of guarantee their monopoly. The other thing that's really frustrating is that the marijuana industry promised us all these safety measures and provisions and security pieces in the medical marijuana piece just three and a half, four years ago. And in Amendment 3, they largely undo many of those safety provisions and accountability requirements, uh, and they start to walk those things back. They take away local control from communities, and they basically make it so that uh, marijuana users and marijuana producers and sellers almost become a protected class in our Constitution that in some ways really can't be touched uh, by law enforcement or prosecutors. Uh, or the state legislature or any other branch of government. Um, and that's really concerning. Scott, I just I have alarm bells going off along with a lot of questions just as you go through those tidbits. I'm, I'm curious at the onset, is this cookie cutter language that's been adopted in other states or, or is this really specific to what they were able to do here a few years ago and building upon that? No, this is not cookie cutter. Uh, this is not like anything that's been done anywhere else. There are some similarities and there are pieces that are borrowed from other states. Uh, but what this really is, is this was the marijuana industry writing this without the help or input from law enforcement, prosecutors, uh, medical personnel, doctors. Um, there, there's really no input from anyone. This is the marijuana industry's wish list. Uh, this is, you know, what the industry would look like if they essentially didn't have any checks on their power uh, or what they could do. Uh, they they wrote their wish list as a uh, constitutional amendment, and they're putting it to the citizens of Missouri to vote. And they're selling it, like you said, as, you know, a simple question. Do you want legal recreational marijuana? And uh, do you believe that people's records should be expunged for some marijuana related uh, offenses? And you know, a lot of Missourians may look at that and say, eh, I'm okay with that. Uh, but what we shouldn't be okay with is the 38, 39 pages of guarantees that they've written themselves uh, at the expense of Missourians, at the expense of our state government, at the expense of our taxpayers. Um, it, it's just certainly not the right way to do it. I, I you know, kind of joke that there are so many reasons in this, in Amendment 3's language to oppose that I feel like I could sit down with any Missourian and we could probably agree on at least 10 things that are wrong with Amendment 3. 
Um, and it doesn't matter what your background or what your perspective is. I think we could agree on at least 10 things that are poorly drafted or poorly written or that would have negative consequences on Missouri. And that's even for those folks who are in favor of it. For folks who are naturally opposed, uh, I think we could find a whole lot more than 10. So is it just the marijuana industry that's behind it or are there others who are putting money into to this and, and to get it passed? To this point, we don't see anyone but the marijuana industry putting in significant resources. I know that they do have a website. I'm sure there are individuals who are, you know, for legalization that are sending in, you know, smaller contributions. Here's twenty dollars, fifty dollars. Uh, so I, you know, I won't say, but uh, yeah, I won't say that there's no one else. But it is the marijuana industry that has funded this. There's no one else who's put in monetary resources that I've seen. Okay, so I want to flip it then. Who's opposed to it? So that's a that's a beautiful question. Uh, it is a ridiculously diverse group of people that are opposed. Uh, obviously, Missouri Farm Bureau, we appreciate you guys coming out and issuing your statement in opposition. Uh, but uh, law enforcement groups, the uh, Missouri narcotics officers, the Missouri police chiefs, the Missouri sheriffs, uh, they all came out in opposition. Uh, Medical Missouri Hospital Association, uh, Missouri State Medical Association, which is the docs. Um, religious groups, the, the Southern Baptist, uh, Missouri Southern Baptist Convention, uh, Missouri Catholic Conference. Um, there are other religious groups that have uh, put out statements. Um, goodness gracious. Uh, Farm Bureau, obviously, I had mentioned. Um, and then you've got the, uh, the, the State Prosecutors Association. Uh, but then you go over to kind of, you know, a lot of those are natural allies when it comes to just marijuana. And, uh, you know, viewing it as, as, you know, something that they're not for. But then you go to the other side and you see the Missouri NAACP. Uh, you see um, the, uh, the Kansas City Call and the St. Louis American, which are the predominant African-American papers in St. Louis and Kansas City. Um, you see, you know, representatives, uh, Lakeisha Bosley in St. Louis, Ashley Manlove in, uh, in Kansas City. Uh, St. Louis City Mayor Tashara Jones uh, has not yet issued her statement, but uh, she will be issuing a statement. She is opposed. Um, so we see that this is not a, you know, left-right issue. This is, you know, this is a largely Missourians are against this. The state Republican Party uh, opposes Amendment 3. The state Democrat Party and the state Libertarian Parties uh, both refused to endorse it and express serious concerns about Amendment 3 and its impact that it would have on Missourians. So anytime you get the the, the Republicans, the Democrats, and the Libertarians all looking at something and saying, there's there's something not right here, um, I, I can't imagine that Missourians shouldn't take pause and listen for a minute. Wow. This, uh, I want to go back you know, to some of the groups that you originally listed, Scott, Police officers, prosecuting attorneys, you know, as they talk about crime, traffic problems, you know, what are you hearing from those groups? So what what we hear is essentially what we see in other states that have passed recreational marijuana. Uh, we see a dramatic increase overall in crime, criminal activity, a lot of it centering around the marijuana industry. Uh, we see a dramatic increase in the number of uh, car accidents, vehicle accidents, and fatalities directly tied to marijuana use and driving under the influence. Um, 
Some of the concerns that we hear about Missouri's language in particular uh, is that many of the terms, so the, the the folks that are for Amendment 3 will tell you, you know, hey, we've kept in a lot of these criminal provisions. It's still going to be illegal to drive under the influence of marijuana. Uh, and that is written into Amendment 3. But then it does not define what driving under the influence actually means. There's no definition for it. So prosecutors look at that and say, we can't prosecute something that doesn't have a definition. Um, so that's a concern. Uh, they don't define the term smoking as it pertains to marijuana. Um, there's a lot of things in there that are left vague intentionally um, so that, you know, essentially they have to be litigated uh, until there's a solution or, um, you know, what's more likely to happen is that for, for several years, at least until the courts uh, are able to come up with some sort of parameter, uh, largely those crimes are going to go unchecked. And that's uh, that's that's scary for Missourians. You mentioned earlier language about past offenders. Mm-hmm. What what's in what's what's in Amendment Three with with so, regard to past? And I, I'll just I'll just talk about you know what's there and not really you know speak to um, you know whether or not people's records should be expunged. I mean that's up to Missourians yeah. and, and they can figure that out. But uh, there is a piece that uh, would expunge the records of those who have been convicted of certain marijuana-related offenses, um, and you know this is this is a movement that definitely has been picking up steam as people kind of perceive marijuana-related uh, offenses as as maybe lesser than other crimes or maybe they're not violent crimes. Um, so the interesting thing to me though is if we were going to do this, I feel like Amendment Three does it backward. Um, so for those individuals who have already, you know, paid the price, served their time, paid their fines, whatever, uh, and they're not incarcerated, uh, amendment three would automatically, uh, begin the process of expunging those individuals records of those marijuana related offenses. Uh, really no charge to the individual that's all paid for by tax money that would be generated if amendment three were to pass. But for those individuals who are still incarcerated, who don't have access to income or employment, or at least regular income and employment, um, they would have to hire an attorney, file paperwork with the courts, and basically pay for their record to be expunged. Uh, And to me, that just seems counterintuitive and kind of backward. (laughs) That's interesting, to say the least. But it seems like there are lots of interesting pieces in Amendment Three. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would say that's a maybe an understatement. <laughs> now, what about you know? I, I'm kind of hopping all over the place a little bit, but kind of going back to your early comments just about uh, how existing medical marijuana facilities are treated and how the language um, essentially wraps them in. You know, when it comes to licensing, what what's the deal with the different tiers? I hear about micro, large, like what all does that entail? So the, you know, largely those folks who have medical licenses to produce or sell, uh, you know, medical marijuana product, uh, they would be able to get these large comprehensive licenses. So essentially, their their clientele would just move beyond those folks with medical cards, uh, beyond those folks who have had you know consultations with their doctors and and uh, 
you know, gotten approved for uh, medical cannabis. Um, it would go beyond that to anyone over the age of 21. Um, the micro licenses, uh, again, this is another place where things were poorly done. And I think in this case, intentionally, um, but the micro licenses are supposed to be for kind of low income areas, minority populations. Uh, and it was supposed to be, I believe, 144 additional licenses that would be added. And that is, those are the only licenses that are guaranteed to be added to the existing number of licenses. Um, so there, there aren't necessarily going to be more licenses uh, on the larger scale than what we already have with the medical program. Um, so those folks could be the only people that actually have comprehensive licenses. But on the micro licenses, the uh, 144 new licenses, low income minorities, um, other states that have done this uh, have put in financial support, usually from the tax money generated by, you know, uh, having recreational marijuana um, to support those businesses. Um, so these are going to be individuals who qualify and they're, they're either going to, in, in Missouri, they're going to have to have private funding because they're not going to be eligible for funding from their local bank because the local bank can't give funding because marijuana is still a schedule one narcotic. Uh, federally. Yep. Uh, they're not going to qualify for income from the Small Business Administration because, you know, it's a federal government entity and, you know, they, they're not going to give money to, to anything marijuana related. So we're going to give out 144 of these micro licenses and we don't have any financial support for those businesses or business owners. Those businesses are essentially being set up to fail. Uh, in other states, there is support for those businesses. There are programs to, to help them out with their cost expenses. Um, and I think that this was a throw in. And, and what we've seen is uh, the pro amendment three people have kind of gone to minority communities and they're like, look, we know you largely got shut out of the medical marijuana license process and that you're upset about it. But hey, we wrote in these micro licenses so you guys can get some of those. Uh, but by not funding it or not supporting it, you know, essentially they're giving, you know, placebos. I mean, they're giving, you know, something that has no effect and they're like, here, take this and you'll feel better about the fact that you were slighted. Um, and uh, I think largely the minority community has seen through that, which is again, why we see the state NAACP and other organizations saying that amendment three is bad for uh, minority populations. Scott, this is just, Staggering. The more we talk, the more, you know, again, you set the fundamental issue aside as you go through the different pieces uh, of what is a, what would you say, 39 pages? Yes. <laughs> it, it really is. It really is breathtaking, everything that's in here. I, I just, real quick, when we talk, going back to when you talk about the marijuana industry, the marijuana lobby. Are you talking about folks that are concentrated here or is the money really pouring in from the coast or, or elsewhere? So a lot of the money comes from outside of the state. And this is another piece that, you know, when the medical marijuana program was established here in Missouri, uh, we had a, a provision, a requirement that everyone who applied for licenses, uh, all of the different ownership <laughs> groups had to have at least 50 percent in state Missouri ownership. So that was our way of, you know, making sure that this was not, you know, controlled by big national conglomerates that own marijuana, you know, growing or, or, or retail operations all over the country. Um, so we had Missouri 
citizens being involved in every one of those licenses. Amendment three, if it were to pass, would repeal that provision that was put in place just three and a half or four years ago. And uh, largely our state marijuana program would be run by national and international conglomerates, uh, corporations, and uh, Missouri would have very, very little interest. Um, and that's uh, that would be sad to see, too. I mean, if we're going to have a program, we should at least uh, make it Missouri centric and not necessarily just sell out to a bunch of uh, national and multinational marijuana millionaires and billionaires. Wow. Well, Scott, what if what if we missed? I mean, you've given ample reason to join us in voting no on Amendment Three. Uh, I mean, what else haven't we covered? So it's you know one of the things that bothers me is that you know we do strip away a lot of the local control. Our local communities would not be able to make any uh, ordinances or regulations pertaining to uh, recreational marijuana facilities for four years. So essentially, they would be able to come in, set up shop, establish themselves, grow, you know, grow their operations uh, and and largely be unchecked for four years. Um, and then, you know, municipalities are going to have to try to fight back the things that happened during that four year period. Um, we we changed a lot of the provisions. There were uh, provisions that regulated how uh, close retail or production uh, facilities could be to our churches to our uh, child care facilities. Uh, and we don't do away with those, but we walk them back and allow those facilities to be closer uh, to our churches and child care facilities. Um, we, uh, there is a, a stipulation that's put in place that uh, basically says if you have a marijuana-related violation, the maximum fine that you could get would be $100. Um, and uh, which, you know, to me, if you're involved in, say, a uh, an auto accident uh, under the influence and uh, there's a fatality uh, involved, I can't imagine that a $100 fine is really going to be appropriate punishment for your involvement in that. Uh, but what makes it even more frustrating, in addition to being capped at $100, is that they intentionally don't spell out who can impose that or who can collect it. So we don't know if that's you know, our local municipal police, our, our state police, uh, who can collect it or how that money can be used. And we think that that's also left intentionally vague so that essentially that, you know, like I'd said before, marijuana growers, sellers and users will largely be a protected class in the state of Missouri and uh, things that most people would be punished for. So long as they've got marijuana in their system, they may not actually receive any punishment whatsoever for or very minimal punishment. Well, I think you summed it up well with final thoughts, Scott. Just, you know, again, looking at the landscape going into Election Day, any final comments for our members and listeners uh, who are thinking about the ballot box? Well, one, I just want to thank Missouri Farm Bureau for, you know, uh, being one of those organizations that stepped out and uh, is trying to be a voice and, and educating uh, their membership. Uh, our organization, Save Our State, our website is no amendment three the number three dot com uh if you want to go there and check things out uh in addition to you know just some information to kind of read through we've also got some downloadable materials so you know we don't expect everyone to read 39 pages of legal mumbo jumbo but if you want you know just some talking points or some of the things some of the points that we talked about here today just broken down in a digestible fashion 
Uh, you can go to noamendment3.com. Um, and uh, we've also got some downloadable graphics and materials and things if you want to share on social media. Well, great. Well, Scott, thank you for joining us on Digging In. Again, folks, go check out noamendment3.com. You know, again, I'd say, you know, again, Farm Bureau, we've had policy for years on this issue, but for anyone that's on the fence, take time to to not only listen to this podcast, but go check out the language. Because uh, certainly the issues that we've talked about today, the questions that arise and ultimately, you know, the sanctity of our state constitution, all these things should be on your mind uh, as you think about heading to the ballot box. So, Scott, thanks again. Folks, thank you. thank you for tuning in to another edition of Digging In, and we'll catch you again soon. Take care. <laughs>